Thank you. Well, it's great to be with you all this morning. So thank you so much for inviting me along my speak today. I bring greetings from the parish church and from Bible Society. So two roles there. Uh, but it's really good to be here today. Now, it's said that you should never begin a talk with a fact. But I thought I would anyway when I'm with you. The French philosopher Voltaire once said, a hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. Well, a hundred years after his death, the French Bible Society set up its headquarters in Voltaire's old home in Paris. <laughs> Thought you'd like that. And I think that you'll like this story as well. Even if you give me that New Testament, I will roll the pages and use them to make cigarettes. That's what the man told Gaylord, who looks after the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. I understand that, Gaylord replied, but at least promise to read the New Testament before you smoke it. When the man agreed, Gaylord gave him the Testament, and that was the last he saw of him. And then a few years later, Gaylord was attending a convention in Zimbabwe when the speaker on the stage suddenly spotted him, and he pointed him out to the audience, and said, this man doesn't remember me, but 15 years ago, he tried to sell me a New Testament. And when I refused to buy it, he gave it to me, even though I told him I would use the pages to roll cigarettes. I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. But when I got to John, chapter 3, verse 16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed from that moment. And this man became a full-time church evangelist, devoting his life to showing others the way of salvation that he had found himself in God's Word. That's why we do what we do at Bible Society, because we believe that when people open up the Bible, when they engage with it, when they discover Jesus for themselves, their lives can change for good. Now, we all have a story to tell, don't we? So um, I wonder whether you'd mind if I share mine this morning. What does it look like to have your life changed through engaging with God's Word? Well, when Chris and I were 30 years old, we weren't Christians, and uh, we thought that we had life pretty well worked out. We both had really good jobs. We had a good income. We had a little boy who was three years old. I was expecting our next child. Uh, we lived in a beautiful house. We thought we had life pretty well worked out. But then very sadly, Chris's father got ill and he died. And we'd never, ever experienced bereavement before. We were completely uh, bowled over. We really didn't know what to do. It really affected us. And shortly after Dad's funeral, <clears throat> I went into premature labor. I was 26 weeks pregnant with um, Emily. So I went into hospital, and they managed to stop the labor for a few weeks. But in the end, Emily was born when I was 31 weeks pregnant. And um, she had to have tubes and monitors. Um, one day we came in to visit her and they said, oh, you know, she's on something else because she stopped breathing in the night and then she's on something else because her heart had stopped. And so Chris and I were going in every day with milk supplies uh, to go down the tube uh, to feed Emily. 
And then um, we found ourselves praying, found ourselves praying that she would survive. And I'm really pleased to let you know that she did survive, so it helps if I turn this on. Here's a picture, sorry, of Emily when she was born, three and a half pounds. And on her wedding day, God answered our prayers. So uh, when we got her home, I just felt inside that I wanted to get her baptized. And so I said to Chris, I think I'd really like to get her baptized. And he said to me, well, what on earth do you want to do that for? Which is not very good because he's a vicar now. Not the right thing to say. Um, but anyway, he said, well, that's all right. If that's what you want to do, we can do that and I'll sort out the party. So uh, that's what happened. But we went along to the local church and their baptism preparation. And um, the chap that was leading it said to us, look, if you were teaching your child to walk up a flight of stairs, you wouldn't just send them up, would you? You'd take them by the hand and lead them step by step up the stairs. Well, he said, you bought your baby for baptism because you want them to grow up to know and to love Jesus. Well, the only way they're going to do that is if you take them by the hand and lead them step by step to Jesus. Are you going to promise to do that? So Chris and I stood up, we said a prayer of commitment, and the next Sunday we found ourselves in the local church, didn't have a clue what was going on, but we knew we had to be there. And shortly after that, we joined a home group. And in the home group, we were studying um, Saints Alive, which some of you may have done. Uh, But in it, you have to read huge chunks of the Bible. And one of the homeworks was to read Mark's Gospel in one go. So Chris and I were sat there in our living room, Reading Mark's gospel, we kept looking up at each other and saying, this is just amazing. Can you imagine reading it for the very first time in one go? We were just completely bowled over. We just couldn't understand why Christians hadn't shared this message, why churches had kept this message to themselves. We were bowled over. Of course, people had probably tried, but we had closed ears at the time. But anyway, as we got into God's word and discovered Jesus and he became a big part of our lives. Our lives just completely changed. A few years later, we handed in our notice for our jobs. We sold our house. We took our children out of school. We strapped the high chair onto the roof of the car, and off we went to Nottingham to train for ministry and live on a tiny grant. Our lives had completely changed as we discovered who Jesus was and how he'd become such a big part of our lives. That was just by reading Mark's gospel. And in fact, what happened instead of our lives taking that trajectory, completely changed direction and went in a different way, the way that God wanted us to go in. So let's take a little look at uh, Colossians that we heard read just now, Colossians 1, 3 to 8. And we're just going to look at a couple of verses uh, from this. And I think a really good um, title for this could be a story of three spreads. So I want you to imagine for a moment, I know it's kind of nearly 12 o'clock, but imagine that you have just rolled out of bed and you've popped the toast in the toaster and you think, what spread am I going to have this morning? So you open up your larder and you see before you have marmalade, marmite and honey. Which one are you going to choose at the lantern? What's your favorite? So who would go for the marmalade? Yep, quite a few. Who would go for marmite? Yeah, that's pretty good. And how about honey? 
Oh, you're amazing. You like it all. So there we are. When you have your next breakfast, you need, you need the whole, whole range for the lantern. But anyway, that's not really the spread that Paul was talking about. He was actually talking about three gospel spreads. And if we read verses 6 and 7, you'll see uh, what I mean. He says this, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. So there's a global spread of the gospel. Then he says, just as it has been doing among you since the day you first heard it and understood God's grace in all its goodness. So there's a local spread as well. It's spreading among that community. And then he goes on in verse 7 to say, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. So they'd heard the gospel in that church from Epaphras. Someone had shared the gospel with them. Then it had grown in their community and it was growing around the world. So we're going to be thinking about those uh, three areas of growth uh, today. Global spread, local spread and personal spread. And I'm really, really pleased to say that actually the gospel is still growing and bearing fruit around the world today. For example, uh, we... Uh, United Bible Society and Chinese Christian Council run the world's largest Bible printing press in China, in Nanjing, called Amity Press. And uh, since the Cultural Revolution finished, they've printed, in the first 30 years, they printed 168 million Bibles. 90 million of those have been exported around the world. Which is amazing when you think the Bible was a banned book in China 50 years ago, and now they're probably the biggest exporter of the Bible. Absolutely incredible. Another great uh, way that the Bible is growing is um, uh, through our program called Open the Book. We reckon now 800,000 children are now hearing Bible stories regularly in their schools. Uh, we did a survey a little while ago. We discovered 30% of 15-year-olds didn't know the nativity story was from the Bible. So, you know, if our children aren't hearing the Bible in church or at home, it's crucial they hear Bible stories at school. I'm delighted that the lantern is connected with the primary school here, Merley First, and there's an open the book team going in. And Ruth said to me, if anyone would like to join the team, she'd be absolutely delighted. So do go and see Ruth afterwards if you want to be part of the open the book team. It's really fun. And finally, the Bible remains the top of the world's best-selling book list. has been there for years. It's always at the top. And uh, interestingly, I heard the other day that the Bible is also the most shoplifted book in the world. So that's interesting. That's probably a good statistic. <laughs> as long as it gets opened up and engaged with and lives change as people discover who Jesus is and why he's come. So... Um, there's challenges as well. They're all the really good things, but the challenges, there are 7,000 languages in the world, but over half of them still wait for even one book of the Bible. And so we're involved in the provision of most of the world's Bibles, working in 200 countries around the world. In our own country, nine out of 10 people have no regular engagement with the Bible at all. Many people think it's just irrelevant and boring and a history book. So we're working hard at changing the conversation in our culture about the Bible. And in recent surveys that we've done, we asked Christians how confident they feel about the Bible themselves. And people wrote back and told us they didn't feel very confident at all. It's what most Christians said. 
So we're really working at building Bible confidence by providing resources. Because, you know, unless we're confident in the Bible, we're hardly likely to share it with others, are we? So that's really, really important. So we're going to look at those three spreads quickly. Uh, the first one, how do we keep up with that personal spread? Well, um, I love Tom Wright's quote. He says this. He says, being a Christian is like riding a bicycle. If you don't keep moving forward, you'll fall off. I think that's a lovely um, a phrase. And you'd be interested to know he's got Bibles on the back of his bike. He's taking them to a local church um, in China. So it's really important, isn't it, to read our Bibles every day, to pray, to be part of a fellowship. We need to be building up our Christian faith and our knowledge of the Bible if we're to keep moving forward on our Christian journey. Or you might want to listen to your Bibles. Already heard about what was on the Bible in one year at this morning. Chris and I listened to that this morning as well. Um, every morning, Chris makes the tea and he brings it upstairs. And before we do anything else, we listen to the Bible in one year app. So I do encourage you to do that if you're not doing it already. Um, really important. And uh, Bible Society do um, a course, an eight-week overview of the Bible called the Bible Course. And uh, that shows how the whole Bible kind of fits together and how it all points towards Jesus. So uh, if you're interested in doing that, there's some details on, on the desk over there if you want to know more about that. Engaging with God's Word daily will help us to grow in confidence. And when we're confident, we're far more likely to share it with others. And it's that that works to help the spread locally. So we're going to think a bit about that for a moment. And I know that you're doing lots. I love the um, rocks that you were talking about earlier, someone leaving rocks around Merley with Bible verses on. I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, so it's really important to think of ways of how we can help our community to connect with God's Word. And what we've done at Bible Society a little while ago, um, we decided to do that to retell the story of the feeding of the 5,000 on Brighton Beach. And so what we did is we got together 5,000 fish sandwiches in packets. On every packet, it had the story of the feeding the 5,000 for people to read. And then we asked the actors who played Jesus and the disciples at Wintershaw to come along and walk along Brighton Beach giving out these sandwiches, feeding the 5,000. So we did a press release about it, and ITV asked if they could come along, which is wonderful. It's in lots of newspapers. But interestingly, um, apparently Jesus gave, uh, woke a lady up who was fast asleep in her deck chair to give her a packet of sandwiches. So I wonder where she thought she was when she woke up. <laughs> but anyway, ITV were there and filming what we were doing, and that evening we were on the news, and um, the reporter talked about this amazing story from the Bible on the news, and at the end the reporter said, people came to Brighton Beach today looking for surf and sunshine, Instead, they found sandwiches and possible salvation. That amazing on the news. Just finding ways of getting people to, uh, helping people to connect with the Bible, engage with it, and open it up. Um, we're now working on a big campaign uh, for next year, our 2020 campaign. And what we're doing, we're going to eight major cities uh, with a big dome. We call it an igloo. Uh, you can fit 30 people in at a time. We're going to show a 360-degree film, 12-minute film, about the big story of the Bible. 
And this is aimed at non-Christians to get them to hear the big story of the Bible. And it's an immersive Bible experience. When you're in the dome, it's as if you are in the film yourself. So do pray for us as we get ready for this big campaign. Uh, we're also offering VAR goggles. It's all free to places that want to do it. So if you want to do something in Murley, helping people to connect with the big story of the Bible, you can have those for free to um, do. Maybe I'm thinking about outside Nisa and places like that. So uh, we can have a chat afterwards if you're interested um, in doing that. So that's a little bit about personal spread, local spread. What about global spread of the gospel? Well, I'm just going to take you to one country. In fact, I'll finish with a film for another one. But we're off to China, where something like one million people are coming to faith every year in China. And if you add to that the fact that in the Cultural Revolution, Bibles were banned, pastors were persecuted, churches were closed, there's a real shortage um, of training for pastors and also Bibles for Christians. And so we work helping to train pastors, but also printing the Bibles. And um, when I was over in China a few years ago, uh, we went to the printing press and picked up a thousand Bibles to take out to the rural churches, which is where there's the real shortage. And we went with a pastor who only has 70 churches to look after. And we went to four of his churches one Saturday. And uh, the second church we went into was this one you see here. And uh, I was at the front on the stage handing out the Bibles to give to our brothers and sisters there in the congregation. And when they saw us running out, there was a Bible stampede. They all rushed to the front. I was crushed at the front behind a chair. And when I got back to my room that evening, I counted 20 bruises on my legs. That was their desperation to have a Bible of their own. My colleague Heather gave um, a Bible to this lady here. Yuyan Hua is her name. She told us she's 78 years old, been a Christian her whole life. And this was her first Bible we gave her that day. We were in tears, us with the congregation. It was a very humbling experience to be able to share God's word with our brothers and sisters in China. So really, I wanted to finish by saying none of our work can happen without our amazing supporters. So a huge thank you to Camford Parish and to all those who already support us. We just couldn't do it without our supporters. So uh, do have a look on the table at the back afterwards. I'll be there with my colleague Gareth, who's over at the back. Have a wave, Gareth. Um, and on there, you'll find some bits and pieces if you're interested. Um, I've got some children's books. If you want to spread the gospel among children, you know, do feel free to take any amount of these. Um, I've got some uh, Bible resources leaflets, Bible mission for your community leaflets, and also Bible a month. So if you feel that you'd like to give five pounds a month, which is the average cost of a Bible around the world, uh, then there's some of those uh, uh, forms there. But as I say, we're really, really grateful that as a parish, we support Bible society in such an amazing way. So I'm going to finish with um, a short film which sums up our passion to get the Bible into people's hands and hearts around the world. This is a community in Indonesia who had to wait 47 years to have the New Testament translated into their heart language. And a journalist from America heard about it. So she flew over to make a documentary and she arrived just before the MAF plane arrived with their first Bible. So I'll show the film, then I'll finish with a prayer. So off we go with the film. Do we have that same passion for our Bibles? 
And do we have that same passion to help others to have it around the world? I'm going to finish with my favorite quote from Spurgeon, a great preacher. He said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. So true, isn't it? Shall we pray? Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of your word to us. Lord, thank you that it is life-giving and life-changing. Father, we pray that you would give us a fresh passion to open up and read and engage with our Bibles even more than we do now. Father, we pray that you would give us new opportunities to reach out into our own community with your word. And Father, we pray for all those around the world who still wait for even one book of the Bible in their heart language. And we pray, Lord, that you would make it possible for all people everywhere to know of you and of your love for them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.